Romans chapter 4. We got ourselves into a little bit of trouble last week, if you'll remember, walking through the works and grace. So we'll try to attack that a little bit more tonight. Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. I am so grateful for the opportunity that we have to spend some time in your word tonight. Father, I pray that as we do, that we would learn something and have our lives challenged and changed because of your word and how, it's, uh, how it works in our life. Father, I pray that it would be sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and the thoughts and intents of our heart. Father, I pray that it would get, it, get down to exactly who we are and what we are. And Father, that you would be able to change us from it. We love you. We're so grateful for the opportunity, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the year was 1996, and Johnny Yeomans was in grade three. He was not a great little boy, but he wasn't overly bad either. In an effort to help Johnny do just a little bit better, his dad promised him that if he would work hard and not get in trouble for a whole month from November to December, Johnny's dad would buy Johnny a set of golf clubs just his size. Johnny had watched his dad play golf a lot, and he knew how exciting it was to swing a golf club. And he just wanted a set of golf clubs just his size and all his own. All Johnny had to do was work hard, and those golf clubs would be his. It was a, if you will, a reward for his good behavior. How many of you think Johnny received those golf clubs? Oh, you guys are terrible. Wow. That's horrible. Ah, oh, i got to pick new friends. Let's just say that Johnny did get the golf clubs, because that is not a lie. I did receive the golf clubs. There's a whole lot more to that story. But I did receive the golf clubs. But let's suffice it to say that's where it ends, okay? All the time, we reward our children for doing good and having good behavior. At least we should, okay? If they do, if they do well, we should reward them for that. If they do wrong... We should punish them for that, all right? Reward them for good, punish them for bad. And honestly, I'll be honest, I wish we got rewarded as adults, don't you? I wish that every time I was a good boy that my wife would make chocolate chip cookies. That would be spectacular. The problem is I'm not a very good boy very often, so the chocolate chip cookies don't get made very often. We love rewards. We love it. In fact, we, uh, we, we, just, we just really do. We wish it was more about rewards today. But our passage today does talk about rewards. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 4. I'm not even there yet. Good night. Romans chapter 4. Look with me in verse 1. Again, this will be a little bit of review. But the Bible says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, notice that, if he were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. 
For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Here we are again. Here is still the dilemma. Here is still the debate on grace and works. Faith and works. Very simply, the Bible is quite clear that if you see this, and you can open, see this very simply, if we can work for it, it is not from grace. Notice again in verse 4, it is from debt, or but of debt. Okay, so I want you to notice work. Okay, we have if you work. Working implies, let's don't miss this, working implies that we deserve a reward. Right? I mean, if you guys work, don't you want something for it? I go to work, I hope I get paid. Right? If you go to work, well, most of you don't want to go to work anymore, right? That's a four-letter word. When we do something, we expect to get paid. We get, expect to receive something in return. We want a reward. Because of what we've done, we feel like we deserve to get something out of it. If I put in, I ought to get out. Right? We, we believe that in relationships, right? Man, if I will put in my love and I'll put in my time and I will put in my effort, then I will get love in return. That's how we think. And this is literally how many of us live our lives. We live our lives in what I like to call the reward mentality. The reward mentality. In fact, if you look at our culture right now, uh, in fact, you don't even lose a game anymore, right? And you get re- a participation award. You get rewarded just for showing up. Sometimes you don't even have to show up to be rewarded. We live in a, a reward mentality society. Give me, give me, give me. If I put a little bit of effort, I want to be rewarded. In reality, our world thinks not just that all mankind owes them something. Our world thinks God owes them something. I, I can't count how many times I've heard somebody say something to the effect of, well, God owes me, or God should have, or God this, or God that, and, and begin to lay blame on God as to why he did something against them. They think that God ought to hand over every want and every lust to them on just their whim. They think whenever I ask for something, God, you ought to give it to me. You ought to be there giving it to me. I deserve it. I have worked for it. After all, I haven't killed anybody, so how bad can I possibly be? And they think that God is, if you will, indebted to them. Okay, so I want you to notice this verse again. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace. So it's not, if you work, it's not of grace, but it's of debt. Okay, so this is the mentality, okay? I've worked for it, God. Now you are indebted to me. When we work, we work our 40-hour-a-week. Listen, until we get paid, our boss is in debt to us. He owes us something. And this is the way that we often, the world often will approach God. 
Hey, God, you owe us something. You are in debt to me. Let's set the record straight this evening. God is indebted to no one. Let me say that again. God is indebted to no one. Nobody. God doesn't owe anyone anything. So the world can honestly think what they want, but God does not owe them anything. In fact, God has freely offered His grace to all mankind. Freely. He's given them grace. Now it is man's responsibility to either accept it or reject it. That's man's responsibility. It has nothing to do with works. Let me say that again. It has nothing to do with works. So we do not, God does not owe us anything. Our salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. This thought process does not just stop with the worldly ideals. Unfortunately, this thought process has crept into Christianity. You say, how in the world could this thought process ever creep into Christianity? Let me illustrate. We think things like this. God, I have been serving you for X number of years. Surely by now you would just bless me with what I'm asking for. I've, I've been saved. I've, I've tried to live a right life. And for some reason, you keep putting me through this particular thing. I've worked hard. I've done all I can do. And here you are still not giving me what I'm asking for. Listen, that is the same exact thing. We think God owes us something. Let me reiterate. God owes no man anything. And if we believe that about the world, guess what? We have to believe that about the church. We have to believe that about ourselves. It's often like we have done God an incredible service. God, we've we've just served you all this time, and won't you please bless us? Won't you please give us exactly what we're looking for? And this is honestly where we get the idea of works wrong. We get the idea of works wrong. We have the wrong perspective on it. I want you to notice Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. The Bible says this, But to him that worketh not, okay, not, but here it is, believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So, once again, Paul is trying to say, listen, if you don't work, you don't do anything, but you just believe, it is that belief that will be counted for righteousness. I want you just to think about some specific examples, specifically the ones that we've been talking about on Sunday morning. What did the man that had a son that had a demon possession, what did he have to do to see his son healed? Believe. What, what did the lady who had a demon-possessed daughter have to do? Je- believe. Jesus said, thy faith is exceeding great. We have all of these instances, time after time after time. The centurion who, who came to Jesus, he said, I have not seen so great faith, no, not in Israel. Faith, 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 
faith and faith again. Listen, all you have to do is believe. It is faith. Again, I want you to notice, faith is counted for righteousness. I know that's really messy. Let's, let's try and redo that again. Faith is counted. Faith is counted for righteousness. Don't miss that, please. Faith is the key. Works, not the key. Faith is the key to righteousness. And even, guess what, David. Okay, so we're talking about Abraham, the father of the Jews, and now he, Paul has the audacity to bring David into the mix. Their great king. Even David wrote about the blessing of the man that got imputed righteousness without works. Look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. This is a direct quote. I want you to turn over there. Psalm chapter 32. You can see at the beginning, it's a psalm of David, Matchel, instruction. Look at verse 1, Psalm chapter 32 and verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Listen, this is awesome. This is wonderful. In fact, I want you to look at this word right here, blessedness. Blessedness. I want you to jump back over to verse 7. Blessed. I want you to look at verse 8. Blessed. We've got these wonderful blessings given to us. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. We have another. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness. Oh man, this is wonderful, wonderful, almost grace, blessings, imputed favor. And so we look at this and go, wow, even David is saying this is not of works. Do you ever wonder where David says this isn't of works? I want you to look at your, hopefully you're still in Psalm 32. You tell me where in here this says this is not of works. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Does anybody see anything about works in there? A little difficult to see. Let me try to help you with this. Okay, I want you to see this. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom, who's doing the action here? Who's doing the action in verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 6? Romans chapter 4 and verse 6. God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. How are sins forgiven? Is that something we can do? No. This is God's work. And whose sins are covered. 
Again, we can't cover our own sin. Even, even Adam and Eve couldn't cover their own sins. God had to kill a lamb and cover their own bodies with that lamb and, and, and gave them the clothes that they needed. Listen, they tried to cover it up themselves with fig leaves. Guess what? Not good enough. We try to cover, but we cannot cover them. But this is a blessed person whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom, notice this word, these two words, the Lord will not impute sin. Let me ask you this question. Do we deserve sin to be on our account? Every one of us do. Every one of us has sin on our account. Every one of us has sin that we live with. And so the Lord should be imputing sin. He should be saying, yes, that's you. Here's the sins that you've committed. Here's the things that are going to send you to hell. We deserve that. Yet God, David, in Psalm 32 says, blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. Every one of us have imputed sin to ourselves. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's written over and over and over. We are all sinners. We are the ones who've imputed our own sin. But this is the wonderful thing about God, is He will not impute sin. We'll go back. He will forgive iniquities. He will cover sins. Hear me. God is the one who is in control of all of this. Not us. I can't cover my sins. I can't forgive my own sins. I cannot unimpute my sins. Listen, the only person that can do that is the Lord. He is in control of it. Hear me. It is the Lord who does the work. It is God who does the work. It is not us. So once again, hopefully by now, you're asking yourself the question, what good is good works anyway? If I can't do anything, and this is the work of God, the Lord's not going to impute my sin to me, what is the point of doing good works anyway? My salvation is not of good works. I can't do anything good in of myself. What's the point of good works? Good works, don't miss this, good works are not used to gain favor with God. Don't miss this. Maybe, maybe you ought to write this down. Good works are not used to gain favor with God, but they are in response to the favor of God. Shall I say that again? Good works are not used to gain favor with God, but they are in response to the favor of God. As we mentioned last week, good works are a demonstration of our faith. A demonstration of our faith. We don't do good things, don't miss this, we don't do good things in order to get something from God. You recall with me when you got saved? Look across the room. I think most of you are saved here tonight. Did you do good works in order to gain salvation? What makes us think that we, in our current society, 
in Christianity as a whole, we get to do good works in order to gain something from God after we're saved. Where did we get that idea? Makes us feel better, I think. But the reality is, we cannot do that. You might be still asking, what's the point of good works then? We do good works simply because of what has already been given to us by God. Don't miss that. We do good works simply because of what has already been given unto us by God. It is a response to what God has already done. I don't think you believe me. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, look with me in verse 8. Very particular. For by grace are you saved. How? Through faith. Specifically in that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. You can't get any more clear than that. It is not of works. But hold on. Paul goes further with the church at Ephesus. He says this, For we are his workmanship. Watch this. Created in who? Christ Jesus. For what purpose? Unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus. When we got saved... We were created in the image of his son. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. We were created. We got a new image. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Put off the old man. Put on the new man, which is created after the image of him that created him. Don't miss this. We were created after we got saved. We were created for the purpose of good works. Because of what Jesus Christ had already done, the purpose now is good works. I've given you this so that you can do good works. Because of what he's already done, good works. I still don't think you believe me. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Just a few pages back. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look with me in verse 8. This is specifically, you can see in verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So the specific context of this is around giving. Look at verse 8, though. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. For what purpose? That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Grace is given for what purpose? For good works. Don't miss that. Grace is given for the purpose of good works. 
I'm going to say it one more time. Grace is given for the purpose of good works. Because of what God has already done, do good works. Still don't believe me, do you? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read a little bit more of a lengthy portion here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8. Hopefully we'll look at the context of of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Basically the Corinthian church is arguing. I got baptized of Paul. I got baptized of Apollos. And wah, 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 wah. Who cares, right? And Paul says in verse 5, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? We're just ministers. Verse 6, I have planted, Apollos has water, but God gave the increase. So, verse 7, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Verse 8, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man, watch this, shall receive his own what? Reward according to his own what? Oh, see, Pastor Yeomans, you just messed the whole thing up. You said that we don't receive a reward because of our works. Right here, the Bible says that we receive a reward according to our labor. Let's continue. Verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But every, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. I want you to notice verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. Do you normally lay the foundation after you build or before you build? Before. I want you to notice that the foundation is laid. Verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive, notice again, a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I want you to notice again, I'll just be honest, reward is used all over the place in this passage. It's it's all over the place. It is so obvious that what you do will receive some sort of reward. Wood, hay, or stubble, gold, silver, or precious stone. How we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ will be a reward of some sort. Now notice with me though, These are not earthly rewards. This is important. I'm not trying to excuse the Bible away. What I'm trying to show you is that these are not earthly rewards. These are heavenly rewards. These are heavenly. By the way, it seems very apparent to me, and there's a great indication that we won't really want these rewards anyway. There seems to be great indication that what we do when we receive these rewards is just give them back to Jesus. 
which brings us full circle. You say, Pastor Yomans, what's the point of good works? I want you to remember Abraham is the focus of this passage. Let's go back to Romans chapter 4 in case you've missed that Abraham is the focus of this passage. The Bible says, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham. Do you ever wonder what Abraham's reward was? Was it a son? Was it the seed as the sand of the seashore? Let's take a look. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 15 in verse 1, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. What's the reward of Abraham? God is the reward. God is the reward. He says, listen, don't worry, fear not. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And just like Abrahamic man's sinful ways, guess what Abraham does? And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Abraham's just a normal guy just like you and me. He says, listen, Abraham, you don't need anything. I am thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham, in, in immediate fashion, says, all right, what are you going to give me? And we know over time and through much, much study that, listen, God spent the majority of his time trying to get Abraham's eyes off of the seed. Come on, God, give me what I deserve. All right, I'm going to go get, uh, uh, impregnate Hagar, and that's the way that we're going to get this done. All right, God, I guess I'll go kill my son. I'll do all these different things. And listen, God spent a great deal of time for Abram to get his eyes off of this and get his eyes up here. Abraham, I'm right here. Abraham, I'm right here. Abraham, do you trust me? Abraham's reward was God. The only reward we need, don't miss this, the only reward we need is God. The only thing that should matter to us as saved people is something that we already have. We already have Jesus Christ. We already have him. He has already done the work. The work is already accomplished. It is finished. Don't miss this. Our work is just a response to His work that's already been done on the cross. Our motivation to work to get something is a misplaced motivator. Not a misplaced modifier, a misplaced motivator. 
man, listen, when I work, I, I want to see something happen. All right, God, do something. I'm working for you. Do something. God's already done it all. Listen, we deserve nothing but the lake of fire. I don't care how much we work. I don't care how much we try. I don't care how much effort we put in. We deserve nothing but the lake of fire. God did not portray our salvation by works. God did did not design our salvation to be done by works. It was in faith. And so the same is true all the way through the Christian life. God did not design the Christian life to be lived by works. He designed it to be lived by faith. Our good works ought to be contingent upon the already accomplished work of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that we need. There's nothing else that we need. So instead, this week, so instead of working to get something from God, let's work because of what God has already done in our lives. Guess what? We are the ones in debt. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, because of everything God has done, Romans chapter 11, I beseech you therefore, by the mercies of God that you what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Because of what God has already done, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Why? It's your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I specifically stayed out of the book of James tonight for the purpose of trying to show you that faith without works is actually dead. Faith in what God has already done, it ought to be a response. Listen, if you don't work then I believe you don't understand what God has done. I never said you weren't saved. I said, I don't believe you understand what God has truly done. Do you ever think that this is why communion is so important, the Lord's Supper? Do you ever think that this is why baptism is so important? Do you ever think that this is why we need to look Unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. Verse 3, for consider him, lest thou be weary and faint in your minds. Maybe you're like me. Maybe like when you work hard and you don't see a reward, what do you do? Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm, this is hard. Uh, consider him. The work is already done. Lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Listen, we get it all mixed up, don't we? We misplace it. 
The work's done. We already got the reward. He is our reward. Let me work for you, God. Let me give my life to you. It's all that I can do. It's my reasonable service. Just tell me what you want me to do. I don't want anything in return. You've already given me everything that I could possibly have. But we don't live that way, do we? We live in the reward mentality. Give me, give me, give me. Faith must be first and foremost in our lives. It started it for us, and it must continue it for us. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. I just want to finish with this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that, look at this, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I don't know what else to say. The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross is the work. We did nothing to receive it. We can do nothing to obtain it, and we can do nothing to keep it. We don't work to gain favor with God. We work because of the favor already done. And even David believed so. Abraham figured it out. Listen, belief, faith. So let me ask you, how are you working this week? Are you working on credit because you owe or are you working with thinking that God owes you? If you work this way, you're going to be sadly disappointed. But if you work, God's already done the work for me. You're going to work with a renewed vigor, with a renewed life, with an excitement. And guess what? Guess what? Matthew chapter 5, 16 will still be true. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what does that do? Glorify your Father which is in heaven because the work's already done. It's done. That's why good works are still important. But they have nothing to do with gaining or obtaining the favor of God. It's only in response to. It's a demonstration of. Hope that's a help to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, I'm so grateful for your word and how truthfully, how clear it is. And Father, I pray that we would see it, understand it, and be moved by it. And Father, I pray that our motivation would not be misplaced this week, but it would be placed solely in the person of Jesus Christ and what he's already done. Father, we get to celebrate that this week. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, may it be renewed in us. May it be something special for us that your word might go forth and just truly be a light to this dark world. And Father, we pray that you would help us in that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.